Alright, hello, 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 and welcome to the Circuit Clouds Podcast, Episode 2, The Great Debate, Hitting versus Pitching. I am Lance Mueller, General Manager of the Chicago Colts and founding one of the founding members of the United League, and I am here with Timothy Smith. Yes, that's me. I'm the Commissioner, founding General Manager of the St. Louis Maroons, currently the Denver 14ers. And we also have with us... Uh, hi guys, I'm Glenn, and I manage Boston. All right, very succinct, Glenn. Thank you. <laughs> I'm high as a kite on there, so I'm just I'm trying to make it through, bro. I'm trying not to get in trouble here. All three wow. of us just like just winging it on cold medicine. And... Exactly. Hey, speak, speak for yourself. I'm on. I'm completely off all meds at the moment. Uh-huh. All narcotics. Okay. Yeah. All right. So where are we starting with this debate? So. Uh, just to back up a bit, when we started this crazy idea of doing a, a podcast about fake baseball, um, we came up with a list of possible topics. And what, one of them that we kept coming back to was, um, what's the winning formula? Is it uh, is it having a batting dominant team? Is it having a pitching dominant team? It's some combination of those. So we thought that would be a good topic for our second episode. This is something, obviously, we've all thought about quite a bit and uh and we thought we would kind of like take a look at the data look at look at um how teams have performed in the ul and compare that with some some of the qualitative perspectives of the three of us um, and see and see where we go you know see see where the conversation takes us this is like coke versus pepsi jack yin versus yang tastes great less filling i mean this is like an all-time right I don't know, it's like Tab versus Jolt Cola. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, this is fake baseball, so let's not get too carried away. So I think right, tab, all right, all right, Tab all right. versus Jolt might be the more apt analogy. <laughs> all right. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. All right, so I thought we would start with uh, one question that I think will kind of neatly encapsulate the whole discussion, which is what is the point of – fake baseball anyway obviously you want to win games but are you building a team to win in the regular season or are you trying to win pennants you're trying to win the world series so obviously these all sound like more or less the same goal but they are i think they're slightly different right no they're totally different yeah let's so so glenn go ahead let's start with uh like let's hear your thoughts on like what's the purpose of a team (laughs) well i mean okay so dude (laughs) You started out with like the big existential fake baseball question. So, okay. So to me, I'm trying to win world series. Right. And I really believe that there's a formula. I don't want to say for, yeah, it is a formula. I think there's a formula to do that. Um, and, and I think when you start by saying, Oh, is your goal to win games or win pennants or just get to the playoffs and I'll take my chances when I get there versus saying, I'm going to maximize my chance to win the World Series or win the playoff series when I get there and deal with what that means or the consequences for my regular season um, performance, right? And those things are related because your your team construction for the regular season is not the same as your team construction for the postseason, right? The roster you're going to use is the same, but, you know, the most obvious difference is 
your pitching is going to be your pitching usage is going to be radically different in the postseason. I, I looked at the last 12 years of performance or last 12 years of UL history. And the reason why 12 is because prior to that time, one team was first in pitching and yeah, and runs allowed and runs scored. So, so I just ran it back 12 years to, to when that breaks. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at that, the number one hitting team in the last 12 seasons reached the playoff eight times. The number one pitching team in those 12 years also reached the playoffs eight times. So, Number one hitting team, number one pitching team, most runs scored, most or at least runs allowed. Both got to the playoffs at the same rate. But if you look at the win rate, the number one hitting team won the World Series five times, but the number one pitching team only won it once. And that happened to be, so here's the here's kind of the kicker yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. That happened to be Chicago, who was playing Cleveland, who was the number two pitching team. Right? Yeah, yeah. A little foreshadowing there of, of some of the things we'll – We'll touch on in a bit. So, Lance, I, let's get your thoughts on what is the meaning of a baseball team. What is your objective? Uh, in, in specifically in the United League. In the United um, League, yes. Yeah, I'm flying a little. I'm just kind of going by the seat of my pants here. I have not done any much of the deep dive research that uh, you two gentlemen have, but dude, you have a theory about team construction, though, bro. Right, you hundred percent. You do. Lancy teams are characteristic of good pitching, good defense. I would say, right? I don't know. I mean, I've always sort of constructed the team. You're right. I mean, I do construct them with with as good a pitching as I as I can. I tend to even in uh, Comiskey, which tends to be pitcher friendly. I still tend to favor pitchers who are pretty heavy ground ball pitchers. That's always been something that I've looked for in pitchers. And then you know, good defense. But, I mean, I've always sort of built them more to make the playoffs, not necessarily with the World Series in mind. I, I think I'm sort of maybe the antithesis of Glenn in the sense that I um, tend to um, want to hit, you know, want to hit the, uh, the benchmark of making the playoffs and then kind of do it more by the seat of my pants and hope to win the World yeah. Series, which is evident by the number of times that I've made the World Series and actually won them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so if I were to weigh out on this, um, my number one goal always out of the gate is win as many regular season games as I can, right? I'm thinking the first thing I got to do is qualify, right? You got to be in it to win it. And this maybe is a good segue to some of the uh, analysis that I've done in, in Total UL on looking at um, pitching dominant versus batting dominant teams. So, um, if you guys don't mind, I thought we would dive into that for just a few minutes. Absolutely. Please do. So the first thing I did in Total UL is looked at basically to normalize everything. Um, I created this R plus and RA plus column that you'll see. Basically what that's doing is it's saying run, run scored and, and runs allowed um, versus the league average, where the league average is 100. So it's very easy to interpret. Um, looking at, okay, 1970 Boston, it says their R plus is 96. So that means that they are... Uh, they score roughly 4% fewer runs than the league average. So, um, and then the same thing. And the for purpose runs. of this is to, yeah, the purpose of that. The purpose of to, this is basically, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, so you can define teams as pitching, like super pitching dominant, a little yeah. bit pitching dominant, balanced, or more hitting, hitting favored, right? Yes, exactly. Well, the, the first purpose of it is basically just to be able to compare teams 
over time because obviously the the amount of offense is going to vary from from year to year. I think right now we're in a pretty um, a low scoring era. I'm looking at there's 4.2 runs per game uh, in 76. It's been basically in the 4.1 to 4.3 range since 1969, and and we used to be up in when the league started the first three years. It was over 1951, 5.3 runs per game. So we're down a full 1.1. So that that obviously has a, a bearing also on your team construction, right? Because that that tells you right there that the the value of a run is probably more now just because they're lower scoring games. Um, yep, yep. The marginal run is way more valuable. Yeah. Now. Yep. So, but then yeah, then the next thing the next thing you can do with this is you can kind of what I've done is then I've created five categories of teams looking at those kind of normalized scores. Um, And basically it's just a simple subtraction, subtracting the difference between normalized runs scored and the normalized runs against, and then clustering them into five, five bins. So what I've done is taken the, the teams that are the most batting dominant and the way I'm defining that it's not total runs scored. It's the difference between your runs scored and your runs against. So some of these teams, they might actually be average hitting teams, but if your pitching is horrible, then you might still end up being a more batting dominant team. So what I've done is come up with five categories there. Um, super pitching dominant, pitching dominant, balanced, batting dominant, and super batting dominant. And then what I've done is I've gone through, the very first thing I did uh, was to basically look at the regular season records of these teams and the results I, I was frankly stunned it was it was like a shocking like this eureka moment of like wow that behaves almost exactly like i would have expected which is the pitching dominant teams tend to have much better regular season records the super pitching dominant teams which are this is the top 10% win 55% of their games so that's an average of that's an 85 win season the pitching dominant teams, but not super pitching, they they win 52% of their games. Um, the balanced teams, as you would expect, right around 50%. And then what I this one thing I found was interesting: the super batting dominant and the batting dominant, they're both around the same 40, 47% winning percentage. The two things that jump out: number one, there's a pretty linear relationship there between super pitching dominant down to super batting dominant, where the the more the more pitching focused your team is, it seems the higher the winning percentage. Well, does it tell you something about, okay, but let's go back to the original question, which is what does it tell you about your ability to win in a series though? Do you have that or how do you capture that? So, okay. So this is where, yeah, this is where we're getting at those two questions at the beginning, right? Like, are you trying to win in the regular season or in the postseason? And this is frankly where it, it, it was equally shocking in the opposite direction. We didn't, there was no World Series the first six years, right? So if, if I'm looking at the first six years of the United League, basically you came in first place, you won the championship. Five of those six teams were either pitching dominant or super pitching dominant. And that makes sense because it's all based on the regular season record. But if you look at the World Series era, so there have been 20 World Series and Eight of those have been between teams of the same category, right? So most of them are balance versus balance. So I'm not going to look at those because that doesn't really tell us anything interesting. But in those other 12 series, 
I guess that there's, I'm looking at 13 now. Uh, in those 13 series where teams from different categories of those five categories have met each other, 10 of the 13 have been won by the team that was more on the batting oriented side. If you look at games one, it's about 60% of games. So, um, which basically is completely reversing the regular season record. Yep. So the question then is, is, is why is that? So, dude, I mean, bro, I have a theory for that. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, well, go ahead, bud. Okay, so, well, I mean, so, so interesting. So, again, go back to UL history, right? So, good to point out that over time, the, um, the landscape has changed, right? So, at the beginning, there was no series. So, like, as you say, like, just the best pitching team won because, as we've established, pitching dominates in the regular season. But... But then we went to, you know, sort of two playoff teams or two divisions, two playoff teams. And now we're in the four, two divisions, but four playoff teams, right? And so, so the barrier to entry now for a hitting team is so much lower than it used to be, right? So that's one reason why, like, as you say, now 75, you're seeing Manhattan, Brooklyn, two pure mashing teams, right? <clears throat> that never happened before. Well, it's so much easier now for hitting teams to clear that hurdle, right? It's so much easier for hitting teams to get in. So, okay. So that wasn't actually answering your question, but I just wanted to point out that mm -hmm. the data or the landscape has told, has changed over time. And that really affects this analysis and this discussion. So, okay. So now back to your question. So dude, what it takes to be the best pitching team is an entire staff, right? A, a staff of studs or at least the best staff one to five, right? And, bullpen though that's actually a, a separate thing we should talk about but, mm -hmm. but but really it's your one to five starters i would say mm -hmm. and so the second that you go from the regular season to the postseason you cut off the pitching team's biggest advantage to be the number one pitching team it's almost certain that your back end pitchers are going to be better than the average or on average they're going to be better than other teams back end pitchers right mm -hmm. that's where you rack up a lot of that advantage in my estimation so the same I mean, that, 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 those guys yeah, yeah that's that's a that's a plausible theory and that's probably uh that's probably a good topic for another discussion because i think there probably have been teams that have just been um i'm thinking of the louisville colonel years of antonelli waymeyer right he yep, had yep. several years where antonelli and waymeyer were like probably two of the top six or seven stars in the whole league yeah, totally dominant high. But I couldn't name I couldn't name I couldn't tell you who the third starter was. Or yeah, L.A. recent years with uh, um, Durker and Durker Fritz, and then he and, has and Peterson. And, but Leonard now, right? He has five and, years. And three Leonard, guys. Yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah. I would argue. I mean, uh, obviously, this is probably a topic for a whole separate podcast. I would argue that you could probably, if you have four starters. If you have four really good starters and maybe only three really good relievers, that's probably enough. I think if you have seven really good, above average to, to excellent pitchers, that's probably sufficient to be well, pitching dominant. But okay, anyway. so yeah, no, no. I mean that's that's fair, and that could be right, right? Um, and so, as you say, maybe that requires a little more work looking at from team to team to see kind of what the deal is. But like now, again, just like sticking with our current period, teams are throwing around 1,400 innings, right? 
So, so your best, your stud guys, I mean, like you said, your Durker, your Fergie Jenkins, uh, Bly Levin, those guys are throwing 250 innings. So that one guy accounts for somewhere between 15 and 20% of your innings. So that would kind of support your idea. If you had three just superstars, right? Three superstars could account for 45 or, you know, easily 50% of your innings, right? Yeah. But, but most teams don't have that though. Right. And so that's why I think the depth argument, it, I think that's why I think the depth argument is yeah. important. Right. Cause again, most guys like Fergie Jenkins throws 250, but you know, Moose Haas or whoever his next number two guy is only went for 200 innings. Right. So, and it, and it kind of goes down from there. So then that, yeah. So, so then maybe that tells you something about the importance of the bullpen. And so and again, my rough, you know, uh, back of the napkin analysis says that even the very best pitching teams, again, let's stick to the San Francisco example. I think he had 20% or somewhere between 20, 25% of his innings were thrown by relievers. But like my crappy team, I had like 25 to 30% of my innings thrown by relievers. Right. So, um, so again, maybe when you get down to that short series, I mean, I think bullpen actually is really important in that framework. But again, maybe some of that advantage is lost because maybe my team or the hitting team has a great closer and maybe a great setup guy. Maybe you only have two like great relievers, but because of your hitting team, you can take the lead. All of a sudden, those great closer guys are all you need, right? Or the closer and the setup guy are all you need. So I know there might be some bullpen effects there too. I think we have to look at or think about, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I'm kind of sticking to my argument about I think it's because you chop off the the. Uh, I, that's my theory, anyway. Like you said, I mean, we have to look at the data and figure it out. But I'm, uh, I'm going with the, the best pitching team probably has the deepest staff, and in a short series, that deep staff, you don't get to take full advantage of it. So that's kind of what my theory is, anyway. Mm, okay. Yeah, I mean, if you I'm kind of you know flipping back through some of these old the old World Series uh, stats, and yeah, yeah, you notice. Basically, basically, what you're saying is is that uh, the, your your batting order in the postseason is going to be the same as your batting order in the regular season. So you're not going to you're That's not right. going to see. So so if you look at the uh, just the, the batting statistics for a seven game series or whatever, they're going to roughly correlate with uh, you know your top guy is going to have like uh, four or five plate appearances a game or whatever, and yep. then on down yep. the line down to your pinch hitters, but you're going to see uh, the pitching is going to be much more uh, top heavy in terms of your first three, your top three starters. And Absolutely. Then, okay. Um, Lance, Lance so you, want, an, yeah, you, want, you, you want to weigh in here? Do you have any comments on this? I, don't, I mean, I, I obviously haven't done the deep dive that you, you guys have. I mean, uh, what Glenn is saying makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, obviously in the in a regular season when there's sort of different kind of schedules going on, it's like, you know, there's a lot of chances for, for aces not to face aces, you know. But when you're in the playoffs, you can basically set that rotation where those guys are always going to end up matching up against each other. So then you're left with, all right, well, what kind of offense do I have? You know, I guess one of the questions I wanted to, to, to throw in here also is, is, is the ballpark you're playing in a factor in all of this? Dude, it's you know, huge. You know, because like obviously you like uh, <clears throat> have you know back in the Brooklyn days, 
Glenn built a, a ballpark that we favored pitching. I moved to a ballpark that favored pitching. We ended up facing off against each other a lot of times. And so yep. I think in the regular season, that probably helped both of us, you know, in a lot of ways. It probably gave us an advantage against maybe some other teams that were, you know, who were, who were heavily relying on mashing. And, you know, those those ballparks held in a few, a few more home runs, you know, cut back, cut, cut down on some runs. But then when you get to the World Series where we're facing each other, you know, that ballpark factor kind of goes out of the goes out the window because we basically built teams to play same construction and same construction, yep, same yep. ballpark. So then it's just down to what yep. your lineup is at that point. And clearly you had a better yep. lineup than I did. No, dude, that's 100 percent right. I mean, dude, it is absolutely right. I mean, th- so, again, this is kind of where I was kind of previewing earlier. Like to me, there there is a formula. Right. And it's I mean, I, I hate to even say it like that because it makes it sound simplistic but but there is a formula and so if you're in a pitcher's park then you can't say to yourself oh okay i'm just going to build the mashingist team right i mean you do have to be aware of the environment because you're going to play half your games under one set of conditions so you should tailor your lineup give yourself an advantage in 50 percent of your games right so to me that makes perfect sense um the other thing I wanted to say is, I mean, really, to me, this thing is about, it, it's basically about trade-offs, right? I mean, basically, what you have scarce resources. Maybe we should put it that way. And so every decision you make in building your team is, is trading off one thing against another thing. And I think, I believe that it's way easier to construct a lineup, a hitting lineup, than it is to go construct a great staff one to 10, or at least one to five. But, but my, again, my theory may be unsupported, but my theory is just that starting pitching is dear, right? Starting pitching is like in such demand, there's such a premium on, on good starters that my resources might be better spent trying to max out my, my lineup. And it goes back to this question that you, or this thing that you said earlier, Tim, which is my lineup, eight out of eight guys in my lineup are going to play in the regular season and eight out of eight guys are going to play in the postseason, right? But again, in terms of my staff, you know, you're going to cut off your last two starters. You might cut off the worst guys in your pen. So now if I build a great staff one to 10, but I might only use three starters and three relievers, right? So... So I just think that what it takes to build the great pitching team, again, in a neutral park, right, neutral setting, what it takes to build a great pitching team, it just requires a lot. It costs a lot in resources, and I'd prefer to spend those resources on hitters, right? Just to play the devil's advocate here, just a pure numbers game, again, to go back to my example, my my theory that you you can probably build a, a very good, if not dominant, pitching staff with with four start four great starters and three great relievers let's take that example you're talking about uh seven players there um versus a lineup which i mean if you're factoring in like platoons and stuff and and depth in case of injuries you're talking about 10 to 12 players yeah um and with a lot more 
it's more like a jigsaw puzzle, right? Because you've got to like you can't just throw your shorts your first baseman anywhere. He has to play you know certain positions. So um, it wouldn't wouldn't that make it a bit easier to just say I'm just going to go out and just stockpile as many arms as I can get, and then um, uh, if you have I think what the the data is showing us here is like if you have dominant pitching, you can get by with even below average offense, right? If, if you're one of those PP teams, like super pitching dominant, um, you can score 5%, even 10% fewer runs than average and still come away with a massively winning season. I agree, but, but then you're not giving yourself the best chance to win. You're not maximizing your odds in a series though, right? So what I'm saying is, again, my argument is just that Starting, starting pitching in particular, again, I think relief pitchers are different. And arguably, arguably that's an exploit because relief, cheap, relief pitchers are cheap. They are abundant. You can get them in the late round of draft, like still good ones, right? So, um, so that's relief pitchers. But I think starters really, they cost you a lot. I'm managing Boston. I, I pick third. You're managing, Lance is managing Chicago, you're picking fourth in the draft. Denver, you're picking second. We're all managing crappy teams, right? So it's not as if I can just go, yeah, I'm going to conjure a bunch of stud starters out of thin air. Now, when you have one, those guys are supremely valuable. But again, there's like, you know, there's only one Tory or one Craig Robinson or one Bly Levin or one Russell, right? So when you get one, great. You just beat the system. You hang on to those guys for all they're worth, right? Yeah, there, but, there uh, actually there actually was a Frank Tory. There's there's two Tories. <laughs> well, don't trade for that guy. <laughs> We're not including Tory Spelling in the conversation, <laughs> dude. That's the most famous Tory, I'm sure. But I, we'll have another theory to put out there. Number, first of all, this is an extremely small sample size, right? We're looking at uh, 13, 13 series. Uh, and yeah, ten and three. It seems pretty dominant, but that's a very tiny sample size, and it could just be a fluke. Of also, four of those thirteen were uh, seven-game series, and it you know in that case, that's literally it's almost just a crapshoot because you, you know game sevens can those can go either way. Um, so you know some of this is down to sample size. And it would be interesting to look at actual MLB data and see and see what. Yep. What that would show us um, over, you know, 100 plus World Series, and, that, and yeah, and then there's the whole factor of I think the other point that that Glenn you alluded to is uh, the expansion, not only the expansion of the playoffs, but just the expansion of the league has in those early years of the league. I'm looking if you look at the first five or six World Series, like 57 to about 66, basically the first decade, almost every World Series team say. Three, three quarters of the World Series teams were balanced. Um, and if you look like the last 10 years, almost no balanced teams. Have, and again, the way I've created these categories, they're not, they're, these are not equal tiers. I've kind of made a bell curve out of it. So the, the balanced teams are 40, 40% of the, of the league, the way I've defined it, 40% of the teams are balanced. But the number of balanced teams that have actually made it to the World Series is... I, there's three in the last 10 years. Uh, so three out of 20. It, so, I mean, there's, there's something there, right? It, 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 
40 per, it should be 40 per, 40% of yep. teams should be balanced instead it's 3 out of 20 so i don't know some maybe that, that's another theory there maybe the secret to success is to like tip one way or the other oh i agree with that i mean I, and again it's kind of that's consistent with my argument that resources are scarce and it's hard to make a team that's good at everything so again so back to so dude this is again super simplistic but all i'm saying is I mean, there's something to be said for the theory of the best. Just be best at something. And, and, and that makes it so much easier to optimize, to build your team if you just target one thing, right? I'm going to be friggin' pitching maestro, right? I'm going to pitch in a pitcher's park. I'm going to draft the studest pitchers I can. I'm going to trade for the studest pitchers I can. I'm going to build out my bullpen super deep. I mean, go for it. But put all your resources there, right? Just go nuts to maximize that, I think. And then you can make marginal trades or marginal improvements, right, to, to boost your offense. Or I think, again, that formula is instead optimize around offense. I think it's so, to me, because the playoff format is so forgiving now, I don't need to have the best regular season record. I mean, not even close, right? So, so I can get in, and once I get in, my hitters are going to give me the lead, and hopefully my bullpen's going to hold the lead. I think one thing that, that United League shares with MLB is that the number of times that the best regular season team actually wins in the postseason, very, very rarely um, in MLB for sure, and, and definitely in, in the United League. If you look at the last three seasons uh, since we've had um, – the 14 playoffs, the the three World Series winners were um, third overall, second overall, and third overall. So there you go. Yep, yep. So I don't have to have the best record anymore, right? And dude, I actually forgot my best argument. Well, maybe it's not my best argument, but I think it's one of my best arguments for why hitting teams beat pitching teams. <laughs> I forgot until just now. Dude, it's a diversification argument. Yeah, because again. Is, yeah, this is the yeah, yeah. We, we talked a bit about the uh, mutual fund versus stocks uh, yes. analogy, where pitching staff is like uh, you've got a handful of stock, hopefully blue chip stocks. Exactly. Uh, but there's much more volatility there, whereas a batting lineup is more like a mutual fund where you've yeah, got, you're like, diversified across eight guys. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So so your pitcher, if your pitcher like shits the bed then sorry, bro, game over, right? So, and again, it's more likely in my mind for that, for one guy to have a poor outing than it is for eight guys simultaneously to have a poor outing, right? So that's why I think the diversification argument also makes sense. I mean, and of course, and there's always going to be uh, uh, like outlier. Like I just, I'm just glancing right now at the 73 the 73 World Series, maybe one of the weirdest World Series ever. Like Chicago won that. That was Lancey's last championship. Yep. Seven-game series. Uh, Colts beat the Barons four games to three. Their, their batting average was 188. Uh, they had 42 hits over seven games. <laughs> and yet they and yet they, they won the series. Uh, they were outscored 28 to 22. Still managed to win the series. <laughs> Um, I mean, dude, that's awesome. 
this is weird too. I was going through this. I thought it was a typo. I'm like Harry pa- World Series MVP Harry Parker. Harry I'm like Parker. Harry Parker. Who the hell is that? Like that's gotta be had to be a typo. I went back through the stats. I I was like reading all the box scores, the summaries. Like this has got to be wrong. It's got to be like Roger Maris or I don't know Bill Singer or something like that. Yeah, dude. Wilbur Wood. No, but the guy had he had like three saves. Yep. Including like uh like what five shutout innings in game seven, something like that. Well, yeah. So, did you um, did you <laughs> did you deep dive on it? Did he didn't he wasn't his ERA like under? I feel like it was under one. I might be wrong about That's that. Awesome. Uh, yes, it was under one. It was yeah. zero. It was zero. Yeah, it was insane. It was yeah. zero. It was Dude, zero. That's brilliant. Yeah, that was the uh, and then was this just like I don't know the theory of build the best bullpen is is possible, which was you know my my theory of just getting getting to the playoffs. I feel like a lot of of Glenn's uh, theories are about not you know not making the playoffs but winning the World Series. In, in his sort of yep, his yep. theorems here, you know, whereas if you, you know, if you're, if your intention is just to make it, to be one of those 14, now four teams, you know, I don't know that necessarily, obviously your, your idea is to maximize your opportunity to win the world series. I, it, it feels like the flip side, obviously the, the data sort of, that sort of proves out the flip side, which is like, if you're, if your only goal is to make the playoffs, then you're you're tipping in the other direction, which is to build your best pitching team as possible. Oh, yeah, that raises a good question. Then, could this uh, approach to try to win the World Series could that backfire to the point where, if you're so focused on winning a short series, your team construction then causes you to finish below the line, and you don't even make the playoffs? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, look at Detroit. Same team, last place, first pl- or world, last place, World Series, last place, right? But kind of my theory was offense in the top half and pitching. Like, like again, this is my my goal, right? My goal is to have offense in the top half, or preferably, of course, number one, but offense in the top half of the league, league average pitching. So when I'm talking about a hitting team, I'm not saying, you know, you just have five dopes who go out and get shelled every time, right? But again, my theory is just that it is so much easier to acquire a league average starter than it is to require, you know, one of the big 200 inning or 250 inning guys. Like you're just not going to get one of those guys or not very easily anyway. And maybe you do have one. You draft one or you luck into a team that has one. Great. You got one. So then the rest of your team, your starters only need to be you could be a little worse than league average, but to bring it back to Lance's point, I do really think the bullpen is super important because again, the theory to me, the theory of the hitting team is that you're going to score runs. And if you're league average pitching and above average hitting, you're going to take a lead, but when you take the lead, you have to hold on to it. Right? So I'm going to get a lot of opportunities where I'm ahead in the game, but I got to close it out. So to me, the bullpen is so, so important. So, so yeah, so again, I just think relievers are cheap and abundant. Focus on hitters. Try for league average starters. And that formula, to me, <laughs> wins. But, yeah, I just I feel, just feel like, and again, offense, back to this thing about resources are scarce and you're trying to build a good team. Maybe an example would be kind of, again, just to bring it to the draft we're in now. Um, because people prioritize defense, 
there's guys because they have crappy defense, even at a corner outfield position where arguably it's the least important defensive position. Well, not arguably, it is the least important defensive position, right? People prioritize it down, but you can get value. You can get good players there. So again, that's why I really feel like there's something to be said for this idea that pitchers are, they're dear. They're just expensive. I mean, a stud is like, everybody wants a stud, right? But, I can make a lineup of eight pretty good guys and be in the top half of the league in offense and I'm competing, right? Like, assuming I have a good bullpen and assuming I have halfway decent starters, right? But as you said, you know, Manhattan, bottom half of the league, Detroit, bottom half of the league in pitching. So you don't even need to be that good, right? Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. So looking at last year again, um, four of the top five pitching teams did not make the playoffs. So um, Cleveland was number two. Yeah. Uh, LA was number three. Montreal and St. Louis. Um, and th- see, they were all below average offensive teams. Uh, so the, the one pitching team that did make the playoffs, San Francisco, I mean, they were so much better than everyone else. That even though they were they were ninth in offense, they were they were still they ended up with the best regular season records. Um, yeah, and I think they kind of fit your earlier example though. It's not like it's just one stud. Again, the guy's got multiple awesome starters, right? So the drop off from one to two to three, I mean, it's real because Fergie Jenkins is amazing, but he's probably still going to have the advantage in start two and the advantage in start three, right? So. And he's just going to use those same three guys again for the next three games, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, I mean, again, San, we've talked about this at length. I, San Francisco to me is awesome. Their their outfield is so freaking good, right? And again, it's not like no one else could put that together, but it's just, I mean, every position, right? Look at third base. Look at first base. I mean, he has just a guy who's really good at what he does all over the diamond and then back it up with three dominant starters. And guess what, dude, Forster or Foster, whatever his name is, his closer is like incredible. Right? Fat, fat Tubagoo, isn't that? Fat yeah. He, I mean, yeah. he's amazing, that guy. So, I mean, that, they're going to be good for a lot. I mean, to me, as long as Fergie Jenkins is playing, <laughs> then they're in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's actually a preview of our, I think our next, uh, our next episode, we'll be looking at uh, uh, one division at a time. We'll do some uh, season preview discussions. I don't, Lance, do you have any uh, parting thoughts here? Or for the UL, I don't know. I mean, it, unless the sort of the game inside of the game, it, uh, sort of the matrix of it changes drastically. I, I feel like I'm going to sort of continue with the formula that I've always had of, of building my teams around. I, I mean, obviously, looking at <clears throat> at the stats. Sorry. You know, it's apparently I built a lot of really pitching dominant teams, not not really realizing it in some ways. I mean, I always thought I had a fairly balanced approach um, yeah. with offense and pitching, but obviously, you know, your statistical work here proves out that I was building fairly strong pitching teams. Um, and I don't know that the approach is going to be any different. It's always been like decent offense guys who can get on base. And, uh, like, yeah, looking for those stud starters and then real, real deep bullpens. 
I don't think I'll. I don't think my approach will be different. You know, and I'm my my hope was always that 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 approach will at least get me to the playoffs. Lance, you just raised a very important point uh, that you know we should have mentioned earlier, which is all this all the data that we're looking at is based purely on outcomes, right? It's statistics. It's what the players produced during the season. That is not the same thing as uh, what the intention was or even what the ratings were or, uh, you know, things happen during a season. Sometimes a group of hitters just all get hot at the same time and suddenly what you thought was a pitching team turns into be batting dominant just because they all have a hot season, right? Um, or, or the reverse can happen where all your hitters will maybe have a key injury or two guys go down and your offense, you know, slumps like the whole year. And then all of a sudden it looks like you're a pitching dominant team. So I think that's an important uh, distinction to make is that we're looking only at outcomes here. Uh, and, and that sometimes that can, that can vary widely from, from what the, what the GM had intended at the start of the season. Dude, that that is brilliant, and dude, because I'm again high as a kite on Theraflu, dude, I forgot like so many of my key points. But you just reminded me of one. Another, and I hate to keep saying the same thing in different ways, but another thing that I think militates against the pitching approach is that pitching injuries, the frequency may not be any different, but to me, the severity of pitching injuries can be. I mean, my number two starters out for the entire season, right? And so it's rare to me to see a hitter suffer like a season ender, right? Mm-hmm. Now, again, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just, to me, when pitcher injuries are like, oh, he's out for three months, he's out for six months, he's out for 13 months or whatever. Yeah. So, so and, and again, because you've only got a few of those guys, right? That, that concentration risk and that injury risk is, uh, is real. So, so anyway, sorry, dude. So you reminded me of that one. Um, but that's back to your diversification argument. Yes, right? exactly. Is, Thank is, you. Uh, uh, is actually it, it makes it even more. Uh, it, it even strengthens that analogy because not only are your it, that that just speaks to the volatility of your yep. of your of your pitching rotation is not only are they going to have is the impact of an up and down season for say your number two starter is going to be much more significant on your win loss record than an up and down season for say your right fielder. I agree. The, the injury, the length of injury, as you're saying is yeah, that very often they're out for six, nine, 12 months. Yeah. I mean, Um, I think that's real. Yeah. 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 Well, dude, I'm so impressed with your analysis, bro. I mean, this is friggin' amazing work and thank you for doing it. And again, it kind of, like you said, kind of shows what you knew, but it's awesome to have it like right there in front of you. So pitching teams, awesome during the regular season, but more hitting dominant teams could put them in a short series and they clearly have an, have an advantage again in a fairly small data set. Though. Yeah. And we, we talked a little bit about that uh, off, off air before we started, which was that uh, the nice thing about this argument is that everybody's right. Uh, right, right, right. Because my, my, my hypothesis coming in was that um, pitching helps you win games, which it obviously yep. does. And yours yep. was that batting helps you win series. And, uh, and, and that, that, that's also true. 
Yep. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, no, it was really, again, I don't know how much this, uh, how much this, the data, I, I tend to believe the regular season stuff because you're, you're talking about, um, how many regular season games have there? 45,000 regular season games. So to me, that's like, that's a real thing. That, that's that, reg, that regular season yeah. stuff, that's, there's no, yep. that's a massive uh, sample size. That's a legitimate, um, finding that super pitching dominant will get you is if, if your ticket is to finish in the top four and make the playoffs super pitching dominant is the way to do it now how you actually get there is obviously a, a totally separate question right how do you create a super dominant team super pitching dominant or and how much of it comes down to luck like we were talking about um but then yeah but then seeing the horrific World Series resort results of these teams was, you know, that was equally shocking. It's like, how can these teams that are so dominant over 156 games suddenly just like fall apart in a short series? But yeah, I, th yeah. I think you've, we've basically covered uh, covered all the bases on how that on how that could happen. Uh, we feel like we uh, we've reached the end here. I think so. Yeah. Let's uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up. This has been. Circuit Clouds Podcast, Episode 2, The Great Debate, Hitting versus Pitching. Uh, until next time, here's the fake baseball. Okay. Nice.